Welcome back to Captains and Majors. I'm your host, Jess Nick. Captains and Majors Season 1, our production team went to Morehouse College to interview students, faculty, and alumni. There, they met a student named Olufemi who was pursuing his passion of photography and content creation. Then, while producing Captains and Majors Season 2, we got a call from Olufemi, who has since graduated from Morehouse. He invited us to a pop-up fashion show during New York Fashion Week that is curated mostly by HBCU students and alumni. So we sent our Captains and Majors correspondent Jason Peters to learn about the up-and-coming fashion trends coming out of HBCUs. All of the people interviewed for this episode, by the way, all of the... By the way, all of the people interviewed for this episode are Morehouse alumni from 2022 or 2023. Let's see how they plan to change the fashion world. Live from the Friendly Faces Fashion Show. First, we sit down with the man who put this all together, Olufemi Yesofu. A couple weeks ago, uh, while I was working on Captain's Majors, I got a phone call. The phone call was someone I met briefly uh, while recording the first season of Captain's Majors at Morehouse. And it was a man named Femi telling me about a pop-up that he has at New York Fashion Week where all sorts of people, mainly HBCU alumni, are here showing off their fashion brands and their ideas and their creativity. And with me today at the event is the creator of the event, Femi. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Good to be here. Thank you. So um, introduce yourself. Where are you from? How did you set this up? Where did the idea come about? How did you get into fashion? Give me the whole nine. Okay, for sure. So my name is Olufemi Yesufu. Um, I'm 22 years old. I live in New York now. I was born in Belgium. I was raised for four years in Benin and um, grew up in Maryland. I went to school at Morehouse. So I've been all over in Atlanta. Um I went to Morehouse, was there for our first year, first semester. They sent us home for COVID, mm-hmm. came back. Um, the idea for PYO, though, came about, um, there's a, um, a couple of events that we do in the AUC. They're called uh, Hump Wednesday, um, Market Thursday, and Market Friday. So those are across Morehouse, Spelman, and Clark, Atlanta. And essentially what these events are is like a marketplace where they allow for student vendors and outside vendors as well to come. They set up um, their tables, sell their clothes, show off like their creativity. And then we also have artists come by the school. So we've had Gunna, we have young, we've had Young Thug, we've had so many artists come by and um, activate these events. And it brings a sense of like community, brings the schools together, and gives us something to do outside of just education. Because, of course, that's what we went to school for, getting that degree, but... Sometimes we need, you know, that time to sit back, get to know one another and, you know, grow together. Uh, creatives will come together. People who weren't even creatives, like, I felt like Atlanta is such a fashion-based place. Like, when we think about fashion capitals, you think of New York, you think of Paris and all that. But Atlanta has a lot of creatives that just either don't have the platform yet or, you know, are really out the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw uh, potential in that market, so... When we left for COVID, they told us go home for break, 
for winter break, you guys are gonna come back. Psych. <laughs> for real. Um, so they sent us home. All of our stuff was still on campus, and they were like, they sent us like an email, like literally a couple of days before we were supposed to come back. They're like, yeah, don't come back. We're gonna coordinate a week for you guys to come back and get your stuff, but the the semester's canceled. So they sent us home. We went into online learning, whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, so that was my second semester of my freshman year. Didn't come back until first semester of junior year. And so when we got back, it was a completely different vibe. Um, was that, how many years ago? Is that two years? Yeah, about two years ago. Uh, One year, maybe. 2020. Three years, three actually. Years, yeah. yeah. So um, once we came back, the vibe was different. They were still trying to do these events as, like, the COVID restrictions were lifting. Everybody like, standing six feet from each other, exactly. standing on dots. Yeah, <laughs> and, like... Uh, the the culture, the feeling, the, you know, that real reason why people go to HBCUs to get the HBCU experience was gone. Um, and so we decided to find a way where we could activate these events outside of campus um, and try to get, like, a similar crowd. But, like, the whole purpose of PYO is to give emerging brands and designers and artists a platform to show off their creativity. And, you know, that's exactly what we're doing. Um we had our first event in Atlanta in 2020. Uh, we found a real dope spot right there by the campus. So we were able to have, like, we had, like, 200 people coming in and out mm. of that joint. It was real nice. Um, and it, But I would say it was a lot easier because when you have the campus behind you, you can walk to Spelman, Clark, and, and Morehouse are right there, like, yep. almost connected to each other. You could walk to the three schools in, like, 10 minutes. Um, so we spent, like... Days, I would say, going out and passing out flyers, introducing ourselves to people. Uh, this is what we're doing. This is what we're trying to do. And there were so many people who had brands, but they just didn't have the platform to show off these pieces. And so people were, like, more than willing to rock with us. We did our first event. It went very well. Um, and we were planning for our second event at the end of the semester. We had a bunch of artists who were planning to even come and perform for free. We had Cali. We had Lil Darius, we had Seti Hendrix, a bunch of artists, but the school, you know, it was time, it was getting towards like the end of the year. They weren't really trying to use any more resources, ah. security, you know, all that. So they canceled the event. Um, but we're back at it right here in, um, in New York. So I'll dope. say, when I originally met you, weren't you shooting content for the Morehouse football team? So uh, not for the team specifically, but what I, what I would do, so. The idea of Friendly Faces came about um, because it was inspired by the idea of, you know, when you're walking around the AUC, you see somebody with some clothes on. that you Can you really tell like. the people at home what AUC is? AUC is Atlanta uh, University Consortium. So the three schools, Morehouse. Consortium. Yeah. These, are, these are Morehouse men words. <laughs> Ain't nobody ever come on a podcast. I produce and say Consortium. <laughs> I see why you say AUC is because consortium itself is like seven syllables. Yeah, for real. This is too much to say. So, um, what was I? AUC. Oh, friendly faces. You would walk around and you would always see somebody in a piece that you're like, yo, what, like, what, what's that? What do you got mm -hmm. on? And like, people are always more than willing to tell you what they got because I feel like a lot of people gatekeep, but in Atlanta, everybody wears their clothes different. So, you may be able to have the same piece as me, but you're not going to wear it the same way I do. Mm -hmm. So, um, the inspiration behind Friendly Faces was literally that interaction right there. You ask somebody where they got a piece from, they share it with you. Now, you're not only growing the, um, the community around the brand, but you're also growing the community around people who have your same sense of style. So that's where Friendly Faces came from. And 
to start it off, I literally would just go around campus um, with my film camera. And this will help me build my portfolio as well. Ask people, can I take a picture of you? They say, yeah, I take their portrait. And then I would add it to my, post it on my page, hashtag Friendly Faces. Mm -hmm. And then, um, yeah, so then that's where we took that idea and we turned it into these pop-up mixers. So you've already name-dropped the AUC several times, and it's clear that uh, attending an HBCU has influenced your decisions and your style. Um, but more importantly than that, you are also incredibly international. You've lived in Europe, you've lived along the Ivory Coast uh, of Africa, and then you lived in Atlanta, and now you're living in New York. So how does that international appeal, along with your HBCU time, how does that all congregate to make the stuff you want to make and put together these sorts of events? Yeah, so I would say when I came to Morehouse, I started off as a an engineering major. Um, like all my life, I was in this program in, uh, in high school called PLTW, Project Lead the Way. And basically it was a four-year program where we would learn um, – the different uh, sectors of engineering. So we did mechanical engineering. We did um, electrical engineering. Um, it was mainly those two. Um, but we learned how to uh, mold, solder, all that shit. So, God damn. Yeah, so I, I went into college thinking that's what I wanted to do. Took my first mechanics course, and I was like, I, I got good grades. But I was like, hell no. <laughs> like, I got to get out of this. Um, this can't be my life. This can't be my life. So <laughs> I switched over to business. Like, literally, I would say within, like, that first semester, I, I decided I wanted to switch over to business um, because I met my co-founder, Zach. So uh, me and Zach came together to start PYO because, like I said, we the need for it. But he is more on the business side. Me, I'm more of the creative. I love, I love like, curating the events, um, talking to people. Um, but we saw the need for people to have a platform for what they wanted to do. And I kind of saw that that it was it had something in common with my country back home in Benin. Mm -hmm. So in Benin, um, there is a lot of talent, but there's not there's not a lot of opportunity. And one thing I learned uh, very early in my life was sacrifice. And I learned it from my father because my father, I will say, he... When we were back in Benin, uh, he he probably left his parents' uh, village by, like, 15, mm. 16. And he moved to the country. That's where my mother lived. And he was staying with my mother's family. What they would do is they would find a family where, if you wanted to go to school, the school was where my mother lived. My father, he lived in a village that was, like, six hours up north of Benin, mm. which closest to Nigeria. And so... Um, uh, you would find a family, um, throw them some money, and then they, you would stay with them. They would take care of you while you were able to go to school. And that's where he actually met my mother. And um, when it came time for like me to be born, my father was actually going to uh, Belgium for he had uh, gotten like a grant so he could do his master's over there. And he went over there. And at the time, everybody was like, you know, just my mother was pregnant with me. But he was like, everyone was telling him, just send over money. We'll take care of her, the baby, and everything over here while you do whatever you have to do. Come back and get your wife, and then you guys do whatever. But he was like, nah, like, I want my wife with me through this process. Um, so he took her with her, uh, with him to Belgium, 
thought he was studying, and that's where I was born. So I never really spent, I never really lived in Belgium. Mm-hmm. I was born there, and they sent me back to Benin with my uh, grandmother and my grandfather and my aunts and uncles on my mother's side while uh, my parents came over to the U.S. to get settled. Uh, my dad, he had, when he finished his uh, master's, he had probably every opportunity. He had a government job. They gave him a car. They gave mm. him housing, everything. You could have been a happy Belgian boy. Yeah. Um, back in Benin. Back in Benin. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, for sure. Uh, they, they paid for his housing and everything while he was in um, uh, Belgium as well, but that wasn't his home. Yeah. The visa only lasted enough for him to study. Go to school. Yeah. Exactly. So afterwards, he went back. So um, after that, he went back to Benin, and my mother, she was at the time, she was in school studying for nursing, but there were no opportunities for her. So my father, he, to f- f- uh, go to a place where he could find opportunity from his wife, from my mother, and then set us up as his, ch- like, children for the future. He literally went from government job, all that, back to zero. He came to the U.S., started working at McDonald's. Like, imagine going from... They be saying that. I've been in cars with Uber drivers who are like, I was a doctor. Yeah, and they be dead ass serious. They do be. Yeah, because yeah, the American college system doesn't respect a lot of yeah. like international degrees. Exactly. And so um, came back, started working in McDonald's, Wendy's, any like shoppers. I don't know. Do you remember shoppers? Is that a grocery store? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So like um, back to square one, doing everything just to get us settled. And so my mom could be going to nursing school. So he was working while my mom was going to school, taking care of everything. And after about uh, four years of being over there, they brought me over. And my sister was born. So I went over to the States, um, started school over there then. Uh, and, yeah, we've been there ever since. Um, so when, I, when we started to tie back into, like, the being in different places everywhere i've been i've been able to absorb i i get adjusted to places really fast yeah like it might it might suck at first for the first like you know couple months yeah little I'm bit. There. first little bit yeah but like i get adjusted to places real fast and um i'm very inspired by everything and i know that's really cliche people say that all the time but i tell my friends every day that they inspire me to do the things that i do and once i got to morehouse and i met people like zachariah um, Zach is one of those people where it's like If you want to go do something And you tell me about it We're going to go do it You're not going to keep telling me about shit I'm the same way yeah, I'm, exactly. I don't want to hear about yeah, nothing bro, let's go If do you that don't shit. tell me about your dreams Unless yeah, exactly. you're going to do something about it Because three years from now I don't want to be hearing about how you didn't do you it You didn't do it Like I wish I could have So um, First week at Morehouse Dead ass When I first met Zach I didn't like him He was like just, He was real loud <laughs> I'm chill You know what I'm saying I don't like to I don't like to be too loud In places I don't like too much attention Being brought on to me um, But him He was just loud Rowdy But it, I guess it's just That sense of leadership in him Like he knew What he wanted He knew where he was going And when he saw people Who uh, You know Had like something about them That he liked He was on YouTube And so First week we started this uh, YouTube channel called Brass House Productions. First week? Yeah, dead ass. That's First strong. Um, we were, so we had dorm rooms, uh, Brazil. And Brass, uh, so that's where Brass House Productions came from. Um, the, the name, I mean, the uh, purpose behind Brass House Productions was basically to like we said, shed light on people in the dorm room who did different things. So, like, what we, we, 
that first week he asked everybody, he was like, who in here wants to start a YouTube channel or, who it, or has ever thought of starting a YouTube channel? And, like, everybody in the dorm room rose their hand. Um, we would spend a lot of time together as, like, a dorm because the first week we were on, like, it was like probation. Yeah. Like, we couldn't go out past 12. We had to be in the dorm by 12. Um, we had to get everybody acting right. The exactly. Morehouse way. You guys exactly. are Morehouse men. <laughs> you know? Men of Morehouse until we graduate. Then we're Morehouse men. Ah, uh, well, yeah. yeah, it's fair. So, uh, we spent a lot of time getting to know each other. And um, we wanted to start a YouTube channel to show people outside of HBCUs, like, the beauty that comes with HBCUs. So, I have to ask you this. You're... A key theme on the things you're doing is you keep wanting to bring people together. Sure. And that is your form of self-expression. But do you ever, do you have, like, do you have pieces at this show today? Uh, no, I don't, I don't make pieces. Uh, maybe in the future. Um, my so, whole, you're, so are you drawn specifically to fashion? Yeah, I, uh, my mother is like the, the most fashionable woman you'll ever meet. So like growing up, whenever she needed, whenever she was going out, for one, can't follow my mother or anything. She'll look at you up and down and be like, you're not going out with me wearing that. And so, um, for me, I never really understood why she was so pressed about what we wore. I'm like, you look good. Worry about that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, like, um, one thing that she always expressed to us was, like, first impressions are everything. Like, the way you carry yourself, the way you dress yourself, the way you present yourself to other people is how they're going to treat you. And so, for me, the love never was necessarily specifically to the clothes mm-hmm. but it was like the behind the scenes behind the clothes so once I, I i would start off taking her pictures and so that's how i got into photography it would start off with just on the phones um i would take pictures of her going out and then my friends were also photographers and so whenever they would bring their cameras out i'd be like they would take pictures of me but i always also try to take the cameras from them and see if i could take pictures of myself and sometimes those pictures would come out fast so it's like you know maybe this is something i can get into and during quarantine, when they sent us home, 2020, my birthday in May, my mom bought me my first film camera. And from there, that's where we went. So what is the future for Friendly Faces? Friendly Faces, um, shoot, we're learning every day. Honestly, Friendly Faces is just a community. Um, I want to give the uh, platform. I've, I've been blessed with so many opportunities, like even just going to Morehouse, being in the position to host events like this, bring people together. And there's a lot of people back home in my country who don't have these opportunities, but I know they are willing. They have the the drive. They have the passion and the talent. And the same thing I saw there at Morehouse. Um, And so Friendly Faces, we want to create a platform where it's more than just, like, pop-ups and, you know, people selling clothes and photos and videos. Like, we want to have, like, a creative agency where we can get you know models from back home we can get uh photographers videographers all types of creators from back home and so you're trying to bridge that gap bridge that gap and it's interesting because if you think about the gap that you're trying to bridge with the two sectors of your life it's literally hbcus and africa in africa yeah that's dope yeah so uh, this is amazing just having these people out here um one thing i found is the more I share the story and my vision with people, the ones who actually want to work and who are interested, they always, like, are ready to be on board. Like, a lot of the people in this room right now are people I went to high school with. Mm. Um, and I, like, went to Morehouse, didn't see them for years, came back, and, you know, we all kept in touch. A lot of us, um, we were in those engineering classes together or, like, math classes together. Yeah. And um, 
I don't need like some of us weren't even creators at the time. Some of them were, and like I would see them, and that shit just inspired me. And so one thing I really like is building with the people who've been in my life, who've been around me from the start. Um, it's good to network with like new people and work with new people, but fostering and building those relationships that um, have always been there—that's that's key. All right. So yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Femi. Uh, I'm happy you hit me up, and I'm 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 happy to help share your story. Nah, thank you for being here. Thank you for giving me this platform, and you know, giving these brands this platform as well. I appreciate it. Now we turn to one of the vendors at the Friendly Faces Fashion Show, Morehouse Class of 2023, Winston Stewart, the owner of the brand Jada, whose unique approach to clothes has roots in great American artists like Keith Haring and Basquiat. Meet Winston. So my name is Winston. I own the conceptual design brand Jada. So yeah, I started Jada back in 2019 and we're all about making people really look deeply into what it means to be human. So looking at the nuances of being a human. So 2019, what were you doing in 2019 that got you started on your path of design? 2019, senior year of high school, I was like, I'm really, I have a real passion for drawing. Well, actually if we take a, before that, all high school I used to just paint on pants and that's something I still do. I have another brand called I have another brand called Winston's Workshop, or just Workshop now, where I really just do painted pants and stuff like that. But in high school, I was really just painting pants, but I really wanted to start something, like a cool brand, but I didn't know what to name it. So I was just like, oh. I had these designs. Like, I had these three hoodies I was going to drop. I didn't know what to name it. And one day, I was just looking at my cat, and my cat's name is Jada, and I was like, you know, she really just does whatever she wants. She lives for herself, and she really does. She lives on her own path. That's the way I feel like humans should live. Like humans live for other humans a little too much. So I named Jada after Jada in honor of humans living for themselves. And that was one of the reasons I started Jada. No, that's dope. So you started at senior year of high school and then you went to Morehouse. Yeah. Um, How did the next steps of the fashion brand come to be while you were at school at Morehouse? So at Morehouse, it was definitely just foot footwork. Just a lot of foot on the ground, meeting people, doing events around the AUC in the school. So that was cool. I was also doing the custom pants my freshman year at Morehouse, but I didn't do them as much because, you know, COVID happened and whatnot. So that also kind of put a wrench in some of my plans. So how did attending an HBCU uh, influence what you do, how you do it, et cetera? Because I, I saw your uh, tagline or your, your, your new direction with Imagine Being Black. Can you speak on that? So I would say going to an HBCU, it definitely, or going to Morehouse, being a, a all male HBCU, Spelman and Clark are right there, so it's still uh, a flu, or like a cool energy. But it definitely shaped my mind the sense of seeing a bunch of different types of Black people. Like I'm originally from DC, and DC has a lot of different ty- a lot of different Black people. But going to HBCU, just see Black people from. Ohio, Mississippi, like everywhere. So it's really interesting to meet different people and see their shared experiences and be able to relay like what it means to be black in a different type of way. So Imagine Being Black definitely stemmed from that, but the real, real root of Imagine Being Black was I was watching an interview where it was around the time where Kanye had uh, made those White Lives Matter t-shirts and he said he made the White Lives Matter t-shirt in honor of white people making black making the black lives matter t-shirt and the feeling of like having to put on a t-shirt that black lives matter oh i'm sorry but yeah he put on a t-shirt 
you put that on a t-shirt but the reasoning didn't really make any sense and i was talking to my good friend miles and he was like yeah kanye is just so far exposed from what it means to be black to even really from what it means to be like a a younger black person or just a black man in america so i feel like imagine being black is really a spin on that but from when that happened i dropped imagine being black in a couple different assortments and seeing how people have reacted to it it's kind of taking on a whole new meaning like people really taking it in different ways people are always telling me about different experiences they have with the pieces so so you're very young uh in in this fashion game what do you imagine the next steps to be where would you like your direction to go so right now for me well i just turned 22 so a young but still getting a lot of different experiences definitely want to keep bringing jada to the top in the sense of finding new vendors making new pieces and putting my message out in a new type of way in a more professional type of sense. Yeah, I was looking at your clothes. Uh, a lot of it is hand-done, airbrush stuff. That's what you have here. Why do you go that direction? Is is there value in it? And do people uh, prefer it because it's handmade? Yeah, well, everything I make at Jada is made in-house. Besides from some select pieces in the past, I've made like a Rubik's Cube I had manufactured, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's actually very dope. Yeah, I made that was part of my identity collection back in twenty twenty one. So what was what was your spin on the Rubik's cube? So it's a face cube. I'll show you after the, a picture of it. So, is it one of the face designs yeah, that so you it's, have? It's a face on every side on a white background. So yeah, no, that was pretty dope. cool. I made that because I put it in the identity collection and then Rubik's cubes are something that's really important to me. I have a Rubik's cube tattoo actually. What's like, a, what's the symbolism of a Rubik's cube to you? Really, just like as something I. Like, personally, for me, like, a Rubik's Cube is something I could go to if I feel, like, overwhelmed or I get stressed. Like, I So, are you Rubik's decent with them? I say, like, I learned a Rubik's Cube freshman year at high school, actually, racing some of my friends with a Rubik's Cube. So, that was cool, I guess. Um, with a lot of your designs, I, I don't know much about fashion. This is not my forte. But um, the hand-drawn nature of it and, and the curves and stuff like that reminded me of two designers, uh, more artists, uh, off the top of my head, I think of Keith Haring and I think of uh, Basquiat. Do either of them um, influence you? And if if not them, who? I would definitely say that those are two of my favorite artists for sure. Bang! Both coming from the pop art era. I have a, actually have a whole collection dedicated to pop art, which is pretty cool. So pop art is one of my favorite areas of art. And my style and how I do do a lot of my pieces it has a lot of graffiti influence and influence from that area just because that's kind of like my style so i definitely see the influence people have definitely said that before but i'm definitely trying to bring a new new feeling to the pieces and really trying to bring more symbolism to clothing like making people think like okay he's wearing this piece but why is he wearing it like what's the the meaning behind it so i want people to really think about the sayings that they have on their clothing and like what that represents because at the end of the day like that's how you're presenting yourself. How you look is your first interaction or your first perception of somebody. So why not it be something that's introspective? So where can people find your work? Where can people buy your work? Where can people support you? So uh, my Instagram for my clothing brand is Jada, J-A-D dot A, then two underscores. My website is Jada, J-A-D dot supply, S-U-P-P-L-Y. All right, well, thank you so much for your time, Winston. We appreciate you. Thank you. Rounding out our show is a young fashion designer and clothing brand owner behind the brand Alir Global LLC. He's a 2022 graduate from Morehouse. His name is Omar Tumbo. 
Yeah, my name is Omar Tumble. I'm from Senegal, but I'm born and raised in Washington, D.C. and PG County, Maryland. Um, my brand's name is Alaire, and I started it because I was always into fashion. I would always, like, sketch and draw. You know, I wasn't too tech-savvy at the time, but I was really learning through, just through being an artist, you know, looking at people on the street, looking at all the clothes I like, you know, seeing all my favorite rappers dress and all of that, so... It was just always in me, and I kind of took that leap because, one, I graduated college, and um, I took a trip to Paris, Paris, France, you know, mm -hmm. and it's usually known as the nah, fashion I thought capsule. Paris, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, but, um, you know, Paris is really nice, and, you know, they're known as the fashion capital of the world, so when I went there, I kind of noticed that a lot of their fashion was modeled after what we do here in the United States, mm -hmm. and, you know, we're the ones, you know, specifically in African-American culture and black people from West Africa, directly from West Africa, who have moved to, like, you know, parts of Europe after decolonization and whatnot. Mm -hmm. They moved to, like, you know, England, France. Well, Senegal, if, I, if I'm not right, they were colonized by the French. Yeah, right? exactly. So that makes exactly. sense. Yeah. And, you know, me being Senegalese. Yeah, yeah. I know you must have family. felt some kind of way being in Paris. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I did feel a kind of way, but it was great to see that our people – we're very close-knit, and, you know, there's really a struggle to integrate into that um, European culture and whatnot, but it's there, and I see it becoming more and more, I would say it's been better received by people around the world. Like, as you see, Afrobeats is becoming a big deal because there's just so, so much access to the Internet, seeing what's going on worldwide, that people are more connected than ever right now, and so I'm trying to show that through my fashion. So you are from D.C., but you went to Morehouse. Yes. Why not Howard? Well, um, so I was raised in PG County, born in D.C., but um, Howard actually offered me a partial scholarship to run track there in high school. But um, honestly, I kind of didn't want to run on track anymore. <laughs> and um, I can't I tell you're a fashion designer now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes I still miss it, though. It was pretty yeah. fun. But... Um, Really just the fact that Atlanta would be, like, a new place for me to go. I've already been around, like, I used to get dropped off at Shaw Howard Metro Station to take the train downtown to go to school, you know, while I was in middle school and whatnot. Yeah. So I was around, I would see, like, the Howard students, you know. My sisters went to high school, like, across the street from uh, Howard University. So we would see, like, the, um, the Howard homecoming when they would have, like, Drake and Rick Ross, yeah. Diddy and everybody, you know. So Howard's culture has always been very prevalent. So you um, grew up near and knowing of HBCU culture. Yeah. How did that affect your influence on, like, deciding to go to one? You know, what's crazy is um, I almost didn't go to one because I was really thinking about going to – I really wanted to go to Columbia University. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, that didn't happen because yeah. I didn't get in. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> but um, honestly – I didn't realize until later that I had a lot of teachers growing up that went to HBCUs. Like one of my most, one of my most influential teachers in my life, he actually went to Morehouse himself. And I didn't even realize that until I graduated and I spoke to him and he was telling me, and I was like, wow, I didn't even realize it. So, um, How did attending an HBCU influence your style and can you break down some of your style? Yeah, of course. So I've always, like I said, I've always been into fashion, you know, dressing and, you know, just looking fly. You know, that's just, mm. you, you know, you want to go somewhere, you want to come correct. Mm. You know what I mean? So um, going to an HBCU, it really helped expand my horizon. It helped me learn more about fashion, 
from regional places, you know, looking at people from New York, people from California, people from Atlanta. You know, I feel like we from like the DMV area, quote unquote, we definitely dress the best personally and we've always been at the forefront you don't think there's bias you don't think that's bias i mean of course (laughs) (laughs) but i still feel like we really have always been at the forefront of fashion and always innovating and that's kind of my style is i'm always looking for i'm always looking to how to improve my my fashion you know i'm always looking at i'm always trying to experiment with different things i'm always looking at things looking at why those garments were made i'm looking at how things were made and i like to see I like to see things that are experimental sometimes, you know? Got you. So what is an example of something experimental you've done? Ooh, starting this clothing brand. I mean, Man. everything I do is trial and error, constantly sampling, constantly designing. So so what is a layer? Well, a layer, it's really a project. It's really a, it's not even a fashion brand. It's a design project. Um, I call it a design project because a layer isn't just limited to clothes. It's also involving, I can design furniture. You know, uh, a saying of ours is that design is global Uh, and global in the sense that everyone in the world is connected through design, whether it's designing a street, designing a highway, designing a city, designing a country or designing a governmental system or designing a fashion brand, you know. Um, And so just and also that's kind of a double entendre because global also means all encompassing. So design is in everything that we do and everything that we see. That's strong. Um, where can people find your clothes? Is there anything else that you think people should know about a lair or about yourself that we didn't hit on? Honestly, um, you should go to my Instagram page. It's called alair.us and go to our website. It's alairglobal.us. Got it. All right. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. HBCU culture has always been at the forefront of fashion. And today, the listeners of Captains and Majors got to listen to the new school of the fashion world who are inspired by the diversity and freedom that HBCUs offer. Thank you so much to our guests, Olufemi, Winston, and Omar. Be sure to check out where the next Friendly Faces event is and links to Jada and Alir Global can be found in the show description. I'm just Nick. Thanks for tuning in to Captains and Majors. Captains and Majors.